chapter number four. Mark chapter number four. We're going to begin at verse number 35. Mark chapter four and verse number 35. I love the old rugged cross. Amen. I quote, I say this a lot, but I love that verse in the book of Galatians where Paul says, God forbid that I should glory that means boast or brag or anything. I have nothing to brag about. Paul is saying, I've accomplished nothing. I've not arrived. I've not, uh, I've not passed the test. I've not won a prize. He's, no, he's done nothing. He said, God forbid that I should glory, say, that means accept, in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's because of the cross that you've been born again. If not, what a wonderful opportunity tonight to receive the Lord by faith. You might think, can it happen tonight? It happened in my house uh, a couple weeks ago in a driveway. It can happen. It can happen here too. Amen. God forbid that I should glory or brag or boast in anything. We have nothing to brag about or boast about. That's why we worship Him. That's why our hearts should be filled with gratitude. I heard a, it, was a, it was a gospel singer. I was watching a little video and I heard him say, he referenced himself as a... Uh, gospel music icon. I thought, uh-oh, there's his reward. <laughs> there is only one icon in the gospel. <laughs> it is the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is the only icon. If somebody is gifted, it's only because that gift has come from Jesus. Amen. The, the, the receiver of the gift cannot boast or brag in anything. Only the giver. Only the giver is the one to be bragged on. Amen. Our glory is in Jesus. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, And the same day when, he, when the evening was come, when the evening was come, he saith unto, his, unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, and remember, the context here is Jesus is in a boat. Um, the very first verse of this chapter, Jesus began to teach by the seaside, and they were gathered unto him a great multitude, so he entered into the ship and sat in the sea. So Jesus has been in the boat. You might not have known it, but you've been in the boat with Jesus this whole chapter of Mark chapter 4. This is all one day. So the past few weeks, it's been one day in the life of Jesus. So all the parables, Jesus is in the boat. So we've been in the boat with Jesus. And he's still in the boat. And so when we come to this passage tonight, Jesus is still in the boat. And in verse 35, in the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side, because he's in the boat. And when they had sent the multitude away, he took, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full, full of water. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, the back, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? 
How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what, matter, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Our Heavenly Father tonight, Lord, it's wonderful to think about you, Jesus. We're praying to the one who calmed the, the sea and rebuked the wind. And Lord, truly you have power. And tonight, you, have, you are here tonight unchanged. Lord, you're the same yesterday as you are today and forevermore. And Lord, I pray tonight, if some heart is in the midst of a storm, Lord, maybe some faith has grown weak. Lord, maybe there's some fearful soul. Lord, that you'll calm us. And Lord, that your, the word here tonight about you, your power, is teaching us something about you. And Lord, I pray and I ask that we could believe it tonight that we'll hear and believe your word, we'll grow by faith, and Lord, we'll cherish what you say, and we'll apply it to our lives. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In your name, Christ, we ask these things. Amen. In verse 36, there is, I think, an, an interesting way to describe how they, how they took Jesus into the ship, or how, how they left with him in the ship. In verse number 36, it says, they took him even as he was in the ship. And so the thought is that there, there's nothing extra with Jesus. He doesn't have any equipment with him. He doesn't have any tools with him. He doesn't have any luggage with him. He doesn't have uh, any books with him. They took him even as he was. So they didn't they didn't stop and say, hey, before we go to the other side, let's go get all the things that we need before we get there. Or, hey, before we make the trip across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, let's, let's make sure we have everything. They didn't stop by the get-and-go. They didn't go run to the Walmart. They didn't get any supplies with them. Jesus himself didn't say, hey, I need some things before we go. And would you agree that Jesus, he, he obviously is aware him being all-knowing and all-powerful, and Christ certainly is aware of the, of the trouble that is to arise. And he didn't do anything. He didn't get any tools. No preparations were made. They took him even as he was. So what Jesus was at the beginning of the sermons, he's still in the boat, and they take him even as he was. And so in the boat, would you agree with me that they have everything they need to make it to the other side. They have everything they need. They don't need anything else. So they take Jesus, even as he was, into the ship, and they go into the other side. There is nothing else, no other preparation, no other tools, no other equipment, no other necessities. So would you agree that in the boat they have every single thing they need? They have all that they need, don't they? They took him even as he was. No umbrella, no generator, no extra water, no, no little box of little Debbie cakes, nothing. They take him even as he was. And we agree that they had all that they need in the boat with them. Would you also agree, have you ever thought of this, that should anything arise, would you also agree that no matter what they face, 
that they have all that they need with them in the ship. They don't need anything else, do they? So the question is, why are you and I so fearful? Now, it's easy to to look upon this scene and apply it and say, well, they have all that they need. They're going to make it because they have Jesus with them. The faith, this is where faith needs to lay hold on Christ in our lives. Because we can look at somebody else's life and somebody else's situation and we could say to them, they're going to be okay because they took Jesus as he was. That's Jesus plus nothing. All they need is Christ then. All they need is Jesus. They don't need anyone else. They don't need anything else because in him is all the sufficiency of the Godhead bodily. In Christ is all that they need. In Jesus supplies all their needs according to his riches in glory. If they need food, he can supply it. If they need health, he can provide it. If they need money to pay taxes, he can say, go catch a fish and take the money out of the fish's mouth and you go pay your taxes. If one of them should be blind, he can repair their eyes. If someone dies along the journey, he can arise them from the dead. If someone is sinful, he can forgive them. He is all that they need, and they need nothing else. So the question is, do they have everything they need in the ship with them? Jesus plus minus nothing. They have all that they need. And the question is, why do you and I live life with such fear? And I know that's, that's, that question, it's a very reasonable question, but it's hard to live out, isn't it? And so faith should, faith, we can have faith for other people. We don't know why they're so fearful and afraid, but why then are you and I so fearful? If you have Christ, then you have everything. If you know Jesus, then you have all that you need. But why are you and I so fearful? Why are we so afraid? Why are we so worried? If Christ is enough for them, then isn't he enough for us? If if we have taken Jesus even as he is, And you and I agree, we've affirmed it, that we believe wholeheartedly that Christ, the Lord of glory, is enough. And if He is in the boat, then the boat cannot sink. But why are you and I so afraid? Christ is enough. He is more than enough. He is so enough that He can forgive sins and provide everlasting life, give peace to those who are full of sorrow. He can can bind up our hearts and heal our wounds. He can encourage us when we're in such despair. He can even heal the body. He provides all of our clothes. He provides all of our food. He provides all that we need. And in spite of all the earthly blessings He's given us, He's promised us a home and glory that you and I, sadly, me and you, you and me, live life in such fear when we realize and we can vocalize it and we can nod our head in agreement and we can sit in a church building on a Sunday night and say, amen, that's right, Jesus is enough, but we need to live like he's enough. See, faith, 
has yet to take hold on Christ being enough. Why are you so fearful and afraid when Christ is enough? We need to grow, don't we? I don't, and when I say that, I, I sure am not implying that we need to know more about the Bible. That would be nice, but we need to believe what the Bible teaches. We need to believe the Word. We need to believe in Christ. And we could know all the Bible and have it memorized from Genesis to Revelation, but do we know the God of the Bible? Do we know God? That's the question. They took Him even as He was. And so, they, all they had was Jesus. Now, we can look back and say he was enough because we knew he would calm the storm. We, we know that from Scripture. In their defense, nobody's heard of that before, okay? In their defense, nobody has done that. That, was, that come out of Nazareth, nobody's done that yet. But you and I know that's happened. We already know that it's happened. And so the thought then must arise in our hearts, since I know that's happened and yet I still live in fear, not that we deny it, not that we deny the Bible, not that we're denying Scripture, but what it means is we've yet to lay hold on it by faith, we've yet to grasp it as the Word of God, as the sufficiency of Christ. We can look in hindsight and believe, and I'm sure everybody believes this has happened. But we still live as the disciples, but in their defense, nobody had done that yet. But we know it's happened, and we are still as fearful as them. We've yet to lay hold on the sufficiency of Christ, our Lord. They took him even as he was. He is enough. He's enough. I don't know what everybody's facing here or not. I know what some of you are facing. Some, you, some of you all might be dealing with something that nobody even knows about. It's the, uh, the, the word in, in verse 37, a great storm, it, it, it's, it's the idea of a, it's, it's like a hurricane force wind, okay? It's, it's not just a thunderstorm. So much so that the disciples who were accomplished fishermen and when, when like, it's like when the airplane pilot is worried, you better be worried too, okay? If he's scared, put on your mask, okay? Put your seatbelts on. So these guys, they have experience, and they are under... So the thought is that they are dealing with something that is beyond their expertise to handle. You ever felt that way in life? They're dealing with something that is beyond the scope of their knowledge, they, they are unprepared for the significance of the situation that they're in. They've been through a lot, but they ain't ever been through that. That's what it means. They have a lot of experience, but not dealing with this. Sounds like, a, like life, don't it? So, we do that. We've been through a lot, but some things are overwhelming. We've faced a lot, but some things are more than life experience has prepared for us to handle. Christ is enough. Now, I'm sure I ain't diminishing your struggle because I know the question, the, what I even think, well, it's easy for you to say, but I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Him 
And God help me to lay hold on Christ. Why am I so fearful? Is His Word not enough? Is His even the earnest of His Spirit? Is it not enough of the, of the intent that Christ is going to finish the good work He began? If He has given me His Holy Spirit, if, which is eternal, and it abides in me, why am I so fearful? And I have to ask the question, I don't know. But I do believe the answer must be, I yet to lay hold on the awesomeness and sufficiency and the glory and the love and the mercy and the knowledge and the omnipotence and the majesty of Christ who is enough. And they took him as he was. And why are we so fearful? There was a great storm. And it was beyond the it was, it was beyond what they've ever experienced, and they were fearful. And Christ, verse 38, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. That's like a leather pillow. Come find out. I looked it up. It's not like a, he don't have like select sleep number here, you know. Jesus is exhausted. It speaks of his humanity. He's preached all day long. He's tired. It's more than just the act of preaching itself. It, it's what, it's the, it's the, exerting the energy it's 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 not for you it's there is no self-coping with ministry it's for other people it's draining it's exhausting it's not like you get to recharge your battery christ all day long is pouring himself out to someone else and he's tired and he's exhausted which is comforting because he knows what you go through he knows what you're asleep but there's a lesson here jesus ain't stressed out Jesus is not wringing his hands. Jesus is not fretful. You can say, well, he's tired. But listen, no matter how tired you are, if you've got troubles, you can't sleep. Amen? Don't matter. So, you could be so tired and still have troubles and still not be able to sleep. You could pray to God you could sleep, but you can't. And if you could sleep, you'd sleep for three days, but you can't because you're exhausted, but you're tired and you're stressed because the storm is greater than your life experience and your strength and your knowledge and your power and your resources to solve the problem. And so as tired as you are, you still can't sleep. But Jesus is not stressed. So here's a wonderful application for our lives. If God's not stressed out, you shouldn't be either. Why are we so fearful? I know it's hard. Absolutely. But it must mean we've not yet laid hold on the sufficiency and the resources of Christ. Because even the rebuke from Christ, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's the thought, you still don't have faith? You still don't see it? You still are worried? You don't know who's in the boat with you? After all of this, you still don't understand even at this point of Jesus' ministry, he's been, for days he healed the whole town. He's cast out demons. He's gave sight to the blind. He's, re he's recovered Peter's mother-in-law's fever. He's turned water into wine. He's done all these miracles, all this power, all this wisdom, all these sermons, all this knowledge, all of who that he is. And Christ still is saying, and yet you're still where you were. When? When? Can't you hear it? When will you lay hold on me? I am enough for you. I'm enough for you. 
I have all that you need. There's no need to worry as if you don't have enough because I am what you need. There's no need to act like that things are out of control because I am in control. There's no need to wonder because I know. There's no need to be stressed because I am not stressed. Still, we haven't learned, have we? God help us. Consider the lilies of the field. They do not spin nor toil. But Solomon, in all of his glory, was not clothed like them. Haven't you considered the fowl of the air? They do not reap nor sow. But God, in all of his love and wisdom, he provides everything for them. Take no thought for your life. Don't worry about it. For you, by worrying, cannot make one hair on your head gray or white or blonde or red or blue. You can't add one inch to your stature. If God's done this for so many other things or lesser things, then certainly He'll help you and provide for you too. Take no thought for your life, what you should wear, what you should put on. Sufficiency to the day is the evil thereof. Hey, God's going to take care of tomorrow. He will. You might be in a storm tonight. Surely Jesus is enough. Surely. I don't blame the disciples for praying. Verse number 38, I, I don't like the, the, the flack they catch here. Jesus is asleep. He's in the hinder part of the, sh- the ship. He's asleep on a pillow. They awake him. And that's an interesting thought too. They awake him. They're praying. That's what they're doing. Sometimes God appears that he's sleeping. Sometimes God feels like he's a thousand miles away. Sometimes you wonder, don't you? God, why won't you do something? God might appear to be sleeping. God might appear to be a million miles away. But he's not. You can move God and stir him. You can, you could, you can think of it this way. He can be awakened. He can be, you could draw your, his attention to you. That might be the whole point of it all. It could be that Jesus was trying their faith. It could be that Christ, because he knows it's going to be okay, and he did tell them we're going to get to the other side. What, is Jesus a liar? Are they not going to make it to the other side? He said, let us go over to the other side. And really, truthfully, you and I should do the same thing. We should say, okay, you said it. I believe your word. If Jesus said it, that's enough. We're going to get to the other side because he's not a liar. He's faithful. He's proven to be faithful. Has he yet failed you? Has he one time come short? Has he ever made a mistake? No. So surely then, I tell myself that. I'm preaching to myself. We've been here before, haven't we? I say that a lot. We've been here before. And God's going to take care of it. You might not know it, but doing, being a pastor, there's a lot of drama that comes up. Right, Debbie? <laughs> you might not think it. I never would have dreamed it. I never would have thought it. It's a lot. Ain't it, Wiley? It's a lot. (laughs) You know what, though? God has taken care of every single storm that has ever arisen in this church's life, in my personal life, in my private life, my family life. God has taken care of every single last one of them. All of them. What is that passage I read at a funeral a couple weeks ago? That he, he has delivered. He doth, he is delivering. 
And we also know that He will yet deliver again. He has provided. He has delivered. He has made a means. He is delivering. He has made a means. That means what? We can with confidence believe that He will help us again. If He's done it yesterday, He can do it today. And if He's done it today, He can do it tomorrow. If He was there in the midst of the storm 20 years ago and you and I have forgotten about it by now, if the same God, all-powerful, infinite, loving, full of mercy and kindness, if He helped us back then, then surely He can help us now. And if He can help us now, then praise God, He can help us in our tomorrows too. I do not know about tomorrow, but I know the One who holds my hand. And I don't know what tomorrow might bring, but we do know who is in tomorrow. Surely, surely by now, we can remember and have confidence that God can help us, that He is able to help us. You got time for another one? All throughout the book of Deuteronomy, the key word there in the, De in the book of Deuteronomy, when we get there in our Bible reading and keep reading through the Bible, you can make it, okay? You're going to need what's in there. You're going to have to have it. You're going to need it. The key word in the book of Deuteronomy is the word remember. It's remember. It's constantly God says, do you remember? Did you remember? Have you recalled? Have you forgotten? Remember, 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 remember. And all through Deuteronomy you'll find that. And God says this to them, do you remember when you were slaves in Egypt? Do you remember who brought you out? Do you remember how I brought plagues upon the Egyptians? Do you remember how that you walked through the, dead, the Red Sea on dry land? Do you remember? Do you remember how when you wandered in the wilderness, how I fed you every single day? Do you remember the manna that you collected? Do you remember that your shoes did not wear out? Do you remember that your clothes did not get holes in them? Do you remember when you cried and you moaned and you said, this man is not good enough? Do you remember that I brought pheasants to your camp and I brought so many pheasants that you were sick of eating pheasants? Do you remember how I provided for you when enemies rose up against you? Do you remember? Have you forgotten that I delivered you over and over and over and over again? I have delivered you. Have you forgotten it? Do you remember? And they took Jesus even as he was. Do we remember? I'm preaching to myself. My mother, she made a beef stew. Good stuff. You might not like her beef stew, but I grew up on it. Some of you people might think, well, my beef stew is better. Fine. You, I'd rather have my mom's. <laughs> And if you put me to it, you say, is that not the best beef stew you ever ate? Do I have to say the truth <laughs> if it's not hers? It's more than enough. And I was remembering while I was eating that beef stew how it's fed me and provided for me. And it never fails. Jesus is better than beef stew. Jesus is enough. The Bible says that Jesus said, peace be still. Now in the Greek, which is the language that this was written in, peace means to hush. So Jesus stands up. It's really cool. You still with me here? Jesus, this is a whole lot easier to preach than uh, circumcision was this morning. <laughs> I appreciate you all, though, listening yet this morning. 
But Jesus is asleep, and he wakes up. Now, if you're like me, when I'm asleep and I wake up, I don't have much power. I'm not a morning person at all. I'm starting to get wound up when it's time for me to go to sleep. Maybe I should start drinking coffee. I don't know. Maybe I should join you all. But Jesus wakes up after being completely gassed and exhausted. And if you could say it, if you could think of it this way, he was in his flesh weak, but in the weakness of his flesh, he still has power to make the wind stop blowing. And in the weakness of his human flesh, the omnipotence of, his, of God, remember he's fully God and fully human, Fully human, he's weak and he's tired. And he's wiping sleep out of his eyes. But in fully God, in the weakness of his, the tiredness, the sleepiness of his flesh, he still could stand up and tell the waves to get out of the boat. So he stands up and he says, Hush! Hush! I think one time I preached in many years ago, and I, 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 it's like this, shh, hush. My dog does, that's what I tell my dog, hush, hush. And the, the word hush, he rebuked the wind and said, hush. Remember, he didn't take nothing with him. No supplies, no tools. No books, no potions, no wizardry, no philosophy. They took him even as he was. And he said, hush, can he not take care of us? At the word hush, there was calm. Now, be still, it, it, again, it was written in the original Greek, so Mark was writing this in Greek, and it means like to be muzzled. The thought of it is, is it, it sank to rest as exhausted by a beating, like Jesus whipped it, like he just whipped it. It's exhausted. And so Jesus, he said, hush and be muzzled. And it's like that the wind and the sea had they'd come, a, 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 come against something more powerful than them. And if you know the power of water and the weight of water and the momentum of water and the power and the energy and the kinetic energy of water and its power and it came across the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and when it met Him, it was at the point of exhaustion. That it was exhausted as if it took a beating. That Jesus power against the power of the wind and the waves was exhausted in his presence. It can't stand a chance against the power of Christ, your Lord. Hush. Be exhausted. 
This is where faith is built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we take the Word of God, and this is why you and me are still fearful, and we're going to live in fear a lot, but we've got to grow in faith. And that's a process. It's called sanctification. And Jesus is still working on you and me to make us what we ought to be. But tonight is when it happens. So you think, when can I grow? When can my faith increase? This is it. And what you got to do right now is you got to lay hold on Christ. You hear His Word. You believe His Word right now. You got to believe it. Don't act like this isn't true. Don't act like this don't apply to you. Don't act like this is for someone else. This is for you. You, you, you. Got to latch hold on this. And you got to leave here with the understanding that Christ is enough. He's so enough, he can say, Hush. And the winds and the waves are exhausted, they hit a wall. And the wall is Christ. How amazing is Jesus? Now, when Jesus rebukes them in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? Notice the word so. It, and it's a question mark. So the, it, with the word so in there, it's like your fear was exaggerated compared to the threat it was in. So Jesus is saying like, it's not like you're not going to be afraid ever, but it's like, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fear? And they're like, hello, <laughs> we're in a hurricane. But compared to Jesus, a hurricane is small. So Jesus is speaking in reference to himself. He's not saying, you're, he's not so much rebuking them because they're afraid, but why are you so fearful? He's like, you are exaggerating here. So the thought is, do you not know who is with you, and in relation to me, compared to your problem, you are so, you are overreacting. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? So Jesus is saying, you all are overreacting. But see, and if you think, well, that, that, are they? They are, really, because you agree that Jesus is more powerful than the winds and the waves. So if you know that, they are overreacting, aren't they? We need to live by faith to this point that we stop panicking when we're in a storm. Don't mean we don't feel the wind blowing. Don't mean, don't mean like, Lord, don't you care that we perish? But when the water's filling up to your boat, and you know, boats are great until the water's in the boat. Now we've got a problem. I can't help it, but I can't help to think of the church. You know what the church is like? The church is in the water, but the water is not in the church. You see how it works? So the church is in the world, but the world shouldn't be in the church. But the problem is when the water gets in the boat, and now we've got a problem, but, in, but compared to the one who's in the boat with him, Jesus is like, why are you so fearful? Like, y'all need to calm down. That's really what he's saying. You need to calm down. I remember one time... Uh, I might have told you this before, but um, we're frugal people at the greenhouse. And Brittany was driving my old pickup truck because we were saving money to get the van we have now. And, but that thing was falling apart. And I don't know if Avery, I don't think Madison was even born yet, but Nathan was, and Avery was in there. And Brittany called me from work, and it was at the, at the Target at East Town, and it wouldn't start in that shopping center. It wouldn't start. So I left work, and I got there, and because uh, if you drive a Chevrolet, you gain experience, and I found out it was the fuel pump. 
because I turned the key, I listened, I couldn't hear it because I've been to that before. Because see, that we should glory in our tribulations because tribulations produces patience and patience experience and experience hope. So I, okay, I've been there before and I thought it would be a wonderful teaching opportunity because Nathan was still in the car seat and I remember Nathan asked me, he said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, the first thing we're going to do is we're not going to panic. Because it really, really, that ain't the worst thing that happened to you, you know. You can just wait. You can, you're going to make it. And sometimes I'm prone, to, I should panic when I should. When I, sometimes I don't panic when I should. I'll admit it's kind of a flaw. But I, I wanted him to know, like, really, I say this, I guess, maybe, I don't mean to be boastfully, but I was like, Dad's here. It's going to be okay. Because I want him to know if you're going to, he's growing up to be a man. And all little boys, we're trying to raise them to grow up to be men. Because the best thing in the world is a man that acts like a little boy. Amen? And we want our kids to be kids, but really, you don't want a 19-year-old baby, do you? So you got to start while they're babies, so when they're 19, they don't act like babies. Are you picking up what I'm putting down, you know? So I want him to be, I want him to be a man. Because when it happens to him, I don't want him to panic. But I think, though, sometimes I'm like, and he was cool, I just wanted to learn the lesson. But sometimes I think that I'm that way. Like, I break down in life, and I am, I am over-exaggerating the trouble that I face. Now, if I didn't have Jesus, then that's probably justifiably true. But if I know Jesus, and if you know Jesus, our storm in relation to Him let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He is, 2 Corinthians, and I'm closing, He is the God of all comfort. And He's able to comfort us through all of our tribulations. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Do not be fearful. Don't let your heart be afraid. Isn't that song, Isaiah 40? Haven't we read it in our Bible reading? We're coming up on it this week. The Lord is strong and mighty. They took Him even as He was. We have everything we need in Christ. Everything. Now, I sure ain't diminishing any fears that we have. I sure ain't trying to act like that any one of us is overreacting. I'm preaching to myself. Maybe more than you. Maybe I'm having a conversation with myself tonight and you're listening in. But if Christ is with us, and we're with Christ, let us pass over to the other side, he said. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening between now and then. But I'm closing, verse 35, let us. That's you and him. Let us. That's me and Jesus. There's going to be a lot of trouble I know come ahead. I know that. Some of us are in trouble now. But let us lay hold on Christ. He's enough. If you're in a storm tonight, some of you are. I know you are. And I, what's, what's great about this is going through the book of Mark, this, this was not preached because you're going through a storm. 
This was preached because God led us to preach through the book of Mark, and this was the next scene in the life of Christ in the book of Mark. So you should really be encouraged that God knows the timing of your life and the days of your habitation. He knows you and what we need. And why do you think that God would lay it on the ignorant pastor's heart to preach to the book of Mark? Because God knows that in the book of Mark, according to the proper time and in the right season, there's going to be sermons come along that you and me need in the exact moment and the exact time that we need them the most. So praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for His omniscience, all-knowingness, His power, and His grace. So, awake Him. Pray to Him. Talk to Him. Cry out to Him. You don't have to face it alone because you're not alone. Cry out to Jesus. Lord, help me. I need you. I need you. Can we sing, Bryson, as we stand the I need you every hour? Many of you know it's one of my favorite hymns. Because I sure do need Him, don't you? Could you imagine, while we're getting ready to sing, could you imagine getting in that boat without Jesus? There's one more thing. Verse 36, And when they, were sent away, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. So it's the, the, Jesus and the disciples. And then, it's interesting, Mark makes note, there were also with him other little ships. And that's you and me, I believe. They were with him other little ships. So I'm not physically with Peter and, and, uh, and Andrew and uh, Bartholomew and Jesus. I'm, I'm not actually physical because I'm 2,000 years after the fact. Me and you, but other little ships are with Jesus. Other little ships, other little congregations, other little groups of people, other little churches are with Jesus. And they're all in a storm, but Christ though he calms the storms of those in the boat with him. Everybody else in the storm reaps the benefits of what Jesus did to Matthew of the little ships, like Westside. He's enough. Cry out to him. Maybe there's a need tonight. You come pray. I would like to pray with you as a friend. If there's something great going on in your life, there's a great wind, a great storm, let's awaken the master. Even if we're rebuked for our faith, good. If Jesus rebukes me and you, then we certainly needed to grow, didn't we? He knows. Maybe there's a need. You come tonight. You come. Let's sing together.